Hi, this is Jake Wilson, CEO of Conscious Energy. And if you want to start being more intentional with your free time in order to discover your potential and purpose, then you should be listening to the Free Time Podcast with my good friend, Carl Sona. Deep down in your gut, you know there's more to life than waking up for school or work, going through the motions just to get by, and living for the weekend. But you're still scared and uncertain about what your true purpose in life is. Welcome to the Free Time Podcast, your very own community and virtual support group created to help you leverage your free time as a valuable asset so you can start to improve your mindset, learn self-empowerment skills, and ultimately find true fulfillment to move you towards the incredible life that was specifically created for you to live. This is more than a podcast dropping three episodes a week. This is a movement built around real people sharing real stories focused on helping you make the most of your life by becoming super intentional with your time. Brought to you by your host, Carl Sona. That was probably one of the best skills I had is always trying to and looking at, okay, well, begin with the end in mind, start looking out in the future and then keep working your way back. It wasn't mm. just this event. Okay, then what's next? What's next? Yeah. Uh, and it's a never, the one thing with the event world, it's a never ending cycle. You're yeah. only as good as your last event. Now, before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make a quick announcement. We're on a mission to build a movement here around the topics of self-empowerment, mental health, and personal fulfillment. These are all some really big topics that we all deal with as human beings, but also they're topics that will look a little different for each of us as individuals. And so I'd love to put a name with the face and learn more about who you are and where you are currently along your journey. So I'm super excited to announce that I'm offering free 15-minute Zoom phone calls with me in order for us to get better acquainted. If you're at all interested in this, please hit the link to my calendar in the show notes below to sign up for a time and I'll see you there. Now, without further ado, let's jump into our episode today. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Free Time Podcast. It's yours truly, Carl Sona, with my man, Jake Wilson, in the house. Jake, thanks for coming out, man. Yeah, hey, thanks for having me. We're fist bumping because uh, the world has gone mad with COVID-19. Dude, how you hanging up? <laughs> I mean, it's interesting times indeed. Luckily, I just like to keep a normal stock of toilet paper, so I wasn't worried Dude. about any of it. <laughs> Julia literally just, she gave me a ping. She's like, hey, can you run out to the store and grab a couple of things? And I went to maybe two or three stores, couldn't find any TP anywhere. It's insane. You know, I'm not a planner either. Well, so. you also travel a lot. So I mean, I have a home and, you know, I had an Airbnb. So I have the good stuff and I have the backup one ply. <laughs> so I'm probably good for a while. I, I thank my mom for that because she stopped there. It's like, yeah, I just have it. I'm like, I, I'm never going to need this much toilet paper. Now I'm thinking... Just trusted mothers. It always turns out. They always know. They always know. Mothers yeah. always know best. That's very true. That's very true, man. Well, dude, thank you for being here, man. You in Denver are known as the suited solar salesman, which is very interesting. You strike me as a very dynamic guy, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on this afternoon. But for the audience out there, give us a little bit of background and context as to who you really are. Like, who is Jake Wilson behind the suits? You know, walk us through kind of growing up to kind of college years, if you will, to give us a little bit of background. Oh, wow. Well, uh, how far back do you want me to go? Let's go back to, you know, growing up here in Denver. I know you're one of the few natives that people come Everybody across out here. says the few, but man, I swear I keep meeting more and more natives as it happens. <laughs> you know those really awesome, cool people that you get, that you come around, that you just mm. love? Yeah, those are us. Okay. 
Uh, so I was born and raised in Denver City, actually. So actual Denver. What which, neighborhood? Which is rare. Uh, first, it was 11th and Cook. So I don't know what that is now, but then uh, Hilltop. The oh, Hood. yeah, yeah, yeah. Hebrew Heights, the Hood. Yeah, uh, over there kind of by Mayfair area. Uh, yeah, so, so it was uh, like Holly and Alameda-ish. Yeah, we just went to the um, Parkburg over there recently. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's that been a few things. So the, the synagogue right across the street was one of the ones I went to. Grew up not far from there because I was raised as a Hasidic Jew. Oh, okay. No, so that's where the accent's coming from. I thought you were just trying to show oh, me no, your, it's your actually culture, dude. Hebrew Heights. No, there's lots of synagogues <laughs> there. Grew up around there. Went to Jewish day school from 5th through 12th grade. Uh-huh. Um, so was raised inside of the Orthodox world, so very familiar with it. No longer uh, religious by any means. I'm proud of being Jewish, but created a whole kind of different relationship with God inside of that. Uh-huh. Um, it, so it was very interesting having been in private school my whole life, even before, and I was in a small private school. But uh, from fifth through ninth grade, it was boys and girls were separated because it's very religious. Yeah. And it was very interesting when there's a lot of people, or uh, pretty much, I mean, there was, I don't know, 10 to 15 kids in class, at, you know, depending on the year. Uh, didn't like most of them. I mean, there's just a lot of ways where I just didn't connect or relate to them. So I was very interested in terms of not connecting. Yeah. With a lot of them. I mean, just talking on a fundamental basis, people who had been born and raised inside of the religious world and me not and having been in the outside world and then seeing how in any religious, like highly religious world, how everything that's not that is right or anything that's not that is bad right. and only this is the only right way. And so there was just a, a big disconnect yeah. that I always had with a lot of them. And then uh, went to an all-boys boarding school for ninth grade and on the west side of Denver, off of uh, right near Sloan's Lake. Okay. Needless to say, definitely did not, was not my people, did not fit in in any way. And then went to a very good, it was a very good prep. It was a Jewish school, but it was more of a prep school. So it was, at the time, rated the number one prep school in the state. So it was very good educationally. My graduating class was 15, and that was the biggest in my school's Damn. history at that time. I always wondered how these people, like in these super small classes, end up, you know, becoming. Like, like I really wonder what their demeanor is in terms of going from a super small cohort like that to, like, the real world. Like, is that a big leap for a lot of people? It, it could be. I, I mean, so uh, you mentioned kind of where I grew up. So the JCC, we know right across from the Gold Dome Greek Church, that's where our school was. We had one hallway. That's wild me, man. It I mean, is, I'm such a big city guy. I, I as am I. <laughs> um, but the really great thing that my mom always is, I was always in a lot of sports. You know, I did Boy Scouts. So I, was, I did a lot of things outside of school. Nice. So it wasn't, it was never, oh, well, I'm only going to be friends with these people. I had it. And, you know, some of them were not good people. Some mm-hmm. of them, I, there's a couple I still talk to today, like in the whole school. Not many, but yeah. there's a couple. Uh, honestly, they were, re- I had brilliant people in my class. I think one of them's like a rocket scientist. A couple of them are app developers. Oh, I mean, wow. just like they were smart, smart people. We're talking book smart. Mine was more interpersonal street smarts, I would say. Yeah. The ability yeah. to build. And now, uh, in a lot of ways, it forced me to, build relationships with people I wanted. So I'd had to go out and attract people I wanted. Right. I worked at um, the Rialto Cafe as a busser. So I started just being able to build friendships outside of it. And then when I was 16, I started working in the rave scene, like the rave club electronic music scene. Started mm-hmm. by passing out flyers and then started helping put on and, and manage events and promote events. Uh, so I got to party with DJs and drive them all around. So in a lot of ways, I started to find my own people and be able to build relationships with a lot of people. And 
uh, it was a big thing of, okay, you can go create a relationship with anybody. Yeah. Then who do you actually want to develop close friendships with? So it was a lot of good learning experiences yeah. throughout that. Uh, and did that all through. It was also, um, I was really bored at about four years old because I had a family friend who I grew up with. They moved away. So I was really bored in daycare. So my mom said, well, we'll put you in kindergarten. And I was the youngest. I was also one of the biggest. So they, nobody really ever knew unless I told them. Um, but they said, well, if he ever slows down, we'll we'll hold him back a grade, but they never did. So I was, uh, I just turned 17 when I graduated high school. So I was always one of the youngest too. So in a lot of ways I was forced to kind of grow up and evolve a lot quicker and be able to adapt to a lot of different environments. So most people growing up with were anywhere from four to eight years older than me and had to learn that, you know, I wow. grew up going to bars and clubs and it wasn't about going and drinking. It was always about the people. It was yeah. never really about, you know, Oh my God, I want to party or drink or do any of that. It was just more like the fun way of doing that when you've been so secluded around a small group of people it's like oh my god it was so nice and then went to see you boulder and was like okay finally for the love of god I can finally like i can finally choose who i want to be around so right. that was a, a very refreshing thing to be able to do yeah you're, you're not just like the young tadpole right amongst mm -hmm. like the older kids having to try to like fight your way in and prove that you've actually got a reason to be there you know our upbringings are sort of similar obviously i'm not jewish i'm, I'm an african man but uh i also went to an all guys prep school was a big outcast, you know, growing up. Because I grew up out east in D.C. It's a big melting pot out there. Oh, yeah. And somewhere around 7th or 8th grade, I moved to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Oh, God. Which is a very <laughs> segregated city. And I'll never forget my parents putting me into this uh, very Catholic grade school. We lived in a predominantly Caucasian area. And we had to go to a mass the day before school started. And I remember, like, leaving the exit with my, with my class, 7th grade at that time, and literally turning and facing the entire congregation and just seeing a sea of white. Oh I mean, God. it was, dude, it was intense because I just was always used to just cultures and variety, but it taught me how to be a chameleon. It taught yeah. me how to be very flexible and nimble and how to sort of mesh with whomever I was with. And I think that's one of like my, you know, superpower the Pisces, skills these days. It might be a Pisces a, thing there's, too. There's just that trait. <laughs> go with the flow. Got to go with the flow. So here you are now working the rave scene, complete 180 to growing up very orthodox. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about that, that, that transition. Yeah, I was never doing it for money. I mean, I would maybe make a little bit here, there, hey, yeah. driving around. It was mostly got to do a lot of the VIP, got to the fun backstage thing. Uh, I always looked I mean, I wasn't planning on it being my life. Uh -huh. um, I had friends that were DJs and wanted to do it. I thought about trying to be a DJ, and, try, and I, I learned piano when I was 12, and I took to it, but I was never passionate about it. Mm -hmm. But I loved being around artists. Uh, so it was, to me, always a learning experience. Okay. That was why I enjoyed most. Like, all right, what can I learn about this? Because uh, in the rave scene, integrity has a different meaning in the music industry, in the nightlife, in the club, in the party scene. Uh, people don't operate that same way. And I'm not saying it's good or bad, you just learn to operate in the way that, that it is. So I learned a lot about anything from promotion to managing events. That's probably the best skill that I got about it is, okay, what are all the pieces? What, where to be thinking from when you have a crowd? Anything from flow to booking people to manage them afterwards and all the pieces that come to it, which, even I ended up going to school for architecture, like anything else, it's like you have to build it. So what's the foundation and then what are all the pieces and then to become a lot more detail oriented as well as how to treat people. Yeah. I mean, it's how, how do you relate to it? How, where are you thinking from when you're creating an event? How do you get people there? 
And then like, what do you do afterwards? Like, okay, well, it's, it's same thing with a lot of people that do speaking engagements. Okay, well, we're doing a speaking engagement. Very few people do a speaking engagement just for that. A lot of times it's usually leading up to something, selling a book, selling a course, something else. And when you have an event, you know, there's always the people afterwards handing out flyers to the next event. So it's always trying to think two to three steps ahead. And that was probably one of the best skills I had is always trying to and looking at, okay, well, begin with the end in mind. Start looking out in the future and then keep working your way back. It wasn't just this event. Okay, then what's next? What's next? Yeah. Uh, and it's a never, the one thing with the event world, it's a never ending cycle. You're only yeah. as good as your last event. Yeah. Just like, an, like, just like a musician. You're only as good as your last Which album. Which is kind of cool though, man. I mean, I would argue that that keeps you honest about your evolution. That keeps you hopefully hungry about getting better and figuring out how you top the last one, right? Because Because a lot of people want to just like rest their freaking laurels on, you know, the last event or the last album that like was huge. And, you know, for better or for worse, being a creator, that can be a lot of pressure, but that can also be an opportunity to continue to seek growth and development. You're right. Yes, you're 100% right. The caveat and the danger in that is that it can be very unfulfilling. Yes, I absolutely. Mean, it's like, when is enough enough? It's when is enough enough, and it's there's a lot of stigmas around it. I mean, it's one of those ones where you're gonna have a, a you're going to have a reputation, and that was the one thing I looked at it is I always wanted to make sure the reputation, the way people thought of me, was consistent with what I wanted. And a lot of times, like you throw one bad event, and you screw over one person. Oh well, I got away with that. Maybe it can, you know it's there. It it goes really, really, really quick and. That it was just an industry where a lot of times it's like your reputation is who you are in a, anywhere in the world. Uh, it just is one where you know you're in the city. If you screw up that reputation, you become known as that. You screw right. people over, you're going to be known as that. You take care of people, you're going to be known as that. You put on good events, you're going to be known for that. Right. Um, but it's a high level of responsibility that it takes somebody to be willing to operate from there. And mm -hmm. most people in the world just aren't willing or able to operate from there. I'm not saying it's good or bad. It just requires a lot to operate for that way all the time. Well, I think it would take a level of awareness, first Absolutely. and foremost, to define how am I going to operate? What's my integrity? I heard you bring that word up. And it's, it's a word that you and I spoke mm -hmm. about quite extensively the last time we hung out. So... If you will, talk a little bit about how people can cultivate a higher sense of consciousness around how they're operating or how they can start to lay the foundation down for, you know, defining what their integrity is in, in this world and then coming from a place of that. Because I think if they can figure out what integrity means to them and they can operate from that place, well, then fulfillment or that challenge of, you know, finding and maintaining fulfillment isn't as big of a daunting task. Perhaps um, you said a good word where it's, it's a foundation. Integrity really provides a foundation, but what does it provide a foundation of? Is it provides a foundation of workability. And if you want, I mean, what we're really out to is performance. Mm -hmm. We want to have performance, and that's really what it comes down to. If we want to have performance in life, we have to look at what gives us access to performance. And if we look at what, it doesn't guarantee it, but what gives us access to performance is workability. Workability, interesting. I mean, if you want to be able to perform, I mean, it's not about performing once. It's about performing consistently. Well, again, well, what do you really want? Are you out to just have like one good performance or are you out to have consistent, sustainable growth and performance? If you want to have consistent and sustainable growth and performance, 
there has to be workability. And for, you know, depends on what that is, whether it be for an artist, for a business, for sales, for whatever, that's going to look differently. But you have to have workability. You have to have leads. You have to have a process. You have to have systems that you can follow that if you followed that system all the time from that workability standpoint, you have a pretty damn good chance of having consistent and sustainable performance and growth. And I think that's what we all want at the end of the day. I think, you know, for instance, Do we? I, well, I think that we all would like to know that if we do X, we can get Y. Uh, Human well, beings well, crave now, certainty. Now we're, getting there. now we're getting to a very unique part because there's one, there's two steps before it because you're getting to a very unique thing and you said the awareness, but there's two steps before that. Okay, so, so, so walk us through. So, so first is the, the awareness. And you got to have workability. I'm not even getting to the awareness yet. There's again, we're, we're starting at the end and working our way back. The okay. end result that we want is performance. Right. And so let's wanna, start there. So we want performance. We have to have workability. Okay. Right. And if we have workability, and now again, you have to look at what are all the steps that are going to happen for that workability. You have to create that specifically. And if you want workability, if you want sustainable workability, then we have to look at, well, what gives us access to sustainable workability? Let's define workability for the, for the audience. Is that I think they may okay. well, be... Let's actually just, I mean, we'll just look it up by definition. Workability, folks. This is how it's defined. It's the ease in which something can be done and repeated over and over with an end goal in mind. Right, so systems I mean, more, and processes. The, the more workability you have, the easier it is to accomplish something. Right. Right, that would make sense. If you sense. want to have a 400-pound deadlift, then you got to work your way up to it. If you've never lifted before, if you're right. only able to do 200, it would, it's not workable to try to do 400. You have to work your way up to that point. So essentially, it's a framework to get from A to B. Correct. In and that's, a, terms. that's a great way of saying it. It's a okay. framework of getting to A and B, uh, and then what gives us access to workability. Yes. How do people find that? Because I think that's the big it. question. It's not a find. Okay, it's, explain. It's, well, where are you going to find it? It's never existed. How are you going to find something that's never existed? So how do people back into you gotta create it. determining what that is for you them? You have to create it. Okay. So then if we look at what gives us access to integrity, and we're getting to that point you were talking about, is integrity. Mm -hmm. Now, the definition, as it's defined of integrity, is whole, complete, perfect, unimpaired of sound condition. Yes. Like integrity of a bridge. Right. Integrity of a computer system. I mean, if you have a bridge, if the bridge has full integrity, that means it was designed a particular way, it was built a particular way, and it's being used in the way it's designed and built. Mm -hmm. Now, if you design the bridge with integrity, but you don't build it with integrity, but you use it with integrity, is the, work, is the workability, is the amount of workability and the amount of performance that that bridge is able to provide diminished? Yeah. Absolutely. Because it's impaired. Because there is something missing in, that, in, in the integrity of it. So if you design it and you build it right, but then you don't operate it with integrity, if you put twice as many people on that bridge as it's meant to be, is the potential performance opportunity of that bridge diminished? Absolutely. Right. So we can say that integrity is directly proportional to our performance. If there is a diminution in integrity then there is a diminution in, in the, the workability and the potential performance. So that leads to a really good question is what is workability for us as a human being? Now this is created, I'm not saying anybody has to believe this or not, but how I say is what integrity is honoring our word and operating from an empowering context. Okay, that's fair. And it's just a very simple thing. If you, now again, it's not saying keep your word. Unless you're not giving your word too much, you can always honor your word, but if you're always keeping your word, you're not giving your word too much. 
Yeah, you, I mean, you're not really like again. You, you create something big, and then maybe you can't, but you can always, always, always honor your word. So it means like if I say I'm going to pick you up at the airport at six o'clock, and I'm not there, you didn't honor your word. I didn't keep my word. But let's just say at five thirty, I said, "Hey, I hit some really bad traffic on I seventy. I'm going to be there at six fifteen. Okay. Did I keep my word? You kept it. No. Sorry, so you honored it. I honored it. The the moment I knew I wasn't going to do what I said I was going to do. Hmm. I let you know. Now, let's just say you, you, that happens. And let's just say uh, that morning that I was going to pick you up from the airport, I found out I can't. Like, oh, I, you know, hey, I got called into work and I'm going to be in Grand Junction and there's just no way I can pick you up from the airport. But hey, I have a friend who, or hey, I have this extra RTD coupon. Here, take the light rail to, to Union Station. Or maybe I, I just can't do it. So then there's an impact of me not keeping my word. Now, if I just don't do anything, then there's a massive impact yeah. of how you're relating to me and my word. That's the power of our word. When we talk, we talk so much about relationships and communication and building it, people are going to relate to us as our word until our word doesn't mean anything to them. You dishonor your word enough, people just no longer are going to believe you. Nothing you say can move forward because everybody's just going to think you're full of shit. Including Why? you. Because you've proven it. Including you. We're, we're, in reality, yes, but we're... That would compromise your integrity to yourself. Very true. The, the danger in that is that it, it's very easy for people to sell, to justify shit to themselves... Where yes, absolutely it is, but we can be, if you're not, you said the word aware of it, if you can keep justifying it that, oh, well, this happened, or oh, no, it's totally okay, or this happened, most people do not have that same relationship to their word if they don't get the impact that not keeping and honoring their word has. How many people do you know that, like, yeah, they'll say that they just don't care. Now, is their workability and their performance diminished? Absolutely. But most of it, they just don't know, or they just don't care. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all know people like that. Yeah, absolutely. So this, there's a second part of that. So the first part is always honoring your word. The second is keeping present and empowering context for your life. Simply said, what are you up to? That's a good Integrity question. Integrity is ask. only as important as what you're up to and what you're dealing with in life matters. If you're not up to much, who cares a shit about integrity? You don't need integrity. You don't need workability if you don't have, if you're not up to anything in life. When Martin Luther King said, I have a dream that all men are created equal. When Gandhi said, I am out for a free India. Do you think they cared about the little minutia shit that people dealt with? Or that, you know, was somebody just kind of like looked at them the wrong way? No, because they were dealing with something at a much higher level. So the little stuff just goes away. But then when there's a breakdown in that integrity, it becomes massive because of what they're dealing with. Imagine the workability that's needed to have that level of a goal. You want to make a million in sales. You want to make six figures. Great. Well, what's your process? What's your workability? What's your access? And then what's it going to take on a day-to-day, hour-to-hour basis? How do you have to wake up? What do you have to be responsible for your health, for your eating, for your mindset in order to accomplish that? That's all part of integrity. But people get really dramatic and get really significant about integrity instead of it being a tool and an access to having the things that we want in life. And that goes to the awareness. Mm -hmm. It's keeping the context. If we're not aware of the context that we're operating from and we're just trying to look at the content, the content changes. But what we can always control is the context. What's our view? What's our relationship to what we're up to? That's that integrity. That's relating to things from an empowering context. You know, whether it be the 
coronavirus or when you're dealing with a breakdown. It's, there's always going to be breakdowns, but how are you relating to it? Are you relating to it from the woe is me, it's all screwed there? Or you know, are, are you able to create an empowering context when you're dealing with shit? When things are tough, when things are easy, everything's easy. It's not, who cares? It's when things are tough, when you're dealt a hand that doesn't work, when you're having a breakdown, that's when integrity matters most because that's where you can create that mindset, the context that will shape your actions and that content of your life that gives you access to power. It's just an access to power. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think what's challenging, so for a lot of people that are listening to this show, you know, a lot of younger folks that have always kind of kept the linear path towards success. Show up, study, go to school, get into higher education, do a profession that sounds good. The world spits you out into the workforce. Shit, what do I do now? So, so, so what would you say for most people as they're going through all that, what's the context that they're doing all that in before, even before they get into the workforce? Well, what would you say? I mean, from your experience, like what would you think my, a lot from, of people? From my experience, there really is no solidified context yet, exactly. right? They've sort of just been following they're just doing an the, autopilot mode. They're, they're just doing the content. Right. So the premise of this show is to help them gain awareness that it's their job, their responsibility <sighs> to figure out what that context is. You've said it here several times. What are you up to? If you're not up to much, it's easy to not have integrity. Yeah. So why, why how do, do we why do you people? Want that? Why do you want that major? What do you want your life to be about? Now, it's not about finding an answer. An answer is relatively useless. Right, right. Because once you get an answer, you stop growing. It's about finding a question. I mean, you could be doing all those same things. I'm not saying that they have to do anything different. What I'm saying is always be looking at why are you doing that? Why, do you, why are you going to college? What are you out to get out of it? Are you out to get a good grade? Cool, you got a grade. But so what? Is that your, was your goal to get an A or is your goal to learn something about it so that you can take it into the world? If you want to go to a concert, great. Why are you going to that concert? Just to relax or have a good time or just to numb yourself? Again, it's not... You don't have to change anything that you're doing. I and mean, we talked about mindset in a way it is, but it's about creating why we're doing these things. It's just questioning. What's your, and you know, Simon Sinek will say it, what's your why? But you can ask that about everything. That's my whole issue with the way most people date. People don't date. People just date from a place of numbing or they're bored versus what's your why? Why are you even going out on the date with this person? I don't date frivolously. I'm not going to go on a date with somebody unless I, there's like at least something that we know we connect with where there's a potential of having a relationship and a partnership of what I want. Now, don't get me wrong. It's lonely at times because there's not many people that are willing to look at it, but it's a lot easier than knowing myself with easy dates where, yeah, you can just like, oh, yeah, I went on like eight dates this week. Cool. But there's no fulfillment in there. Nothing sustains. There's no foundation because it's a lack of integrity for myself because it's not consistent with what I want. Right. I'm not saying everybody should abide by that, but why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you going to this class? Why do you want to study this? Right. Why do you not want to go to college? What do you want to do? Why would you want this job? Right, right. You touched on people numbing themselves, you know, just kind of going down the same repetitive behavior network, if you will, seeking, you know, some sort of outcome that the body's already used to. Like, I think a lot of people don't even realize that they do things just because their familiar mind is used to doing those behaviors, even though it doesn't get them an intended outcome. So how do people even pull themselves out of that out of it's that? very, loop? very, very hard to do it by yourself. Probably, for the most part, it's impossible. 
Nothing that we've ever done in this world has ever been done by ourselves. There's always been somebody that's helped us get there, somebody that said something or opened something up or had to see something yeah. that we didn't see before, yeah. whether we know it or not. It's simply said, it's a blind spot. Mm -hmm. Correct. You can't see your own blind spots. You don't even know that it's there. You just don't know. It's, a, it's, it's the, you don't know that you don't know. And a lot of times people think, oh, well, I know that I don't know. No, you don't know what you don't know. So the way to do it is to be having conversations like this, to be talking by surrounding your people that are up to similar things or just to up to stuff. Find a mentor, mm -hmm. talk about it, communicate, uh, question, inquiry, desire for that growth. That's why I say is, is live from the question. Find the questions and then just talk about it. See what shows up when you're talking with people. How many times have you just found something new just because you were in a conversation with somebody, you saw something you never saw before? That's the beginning of the access. I mean, there are structures. There are places you can go for certain things. That's why there's business coaches, there's life coaches, there's health coaches, there's fitness coaches. If you want to have a breakthrough in fitness, are you going to go try doing stuff yourself? I mean, you could, but what, you're probably going to hurt yourself. What do you do? You go get an expert. You find somebody who's done what you want, who's been where you want to go, who's done what you want to do. And you find out and you approach them and say, hey, I'm really wanting to know this. Can you help me? And if you go long enough, I mean, you've done international travel, right? Yeah. Have you done it solo? Yeah. yeah, I went to Spain by myself last year. Yeah, I mean, it's funny that whenever you travel internationally solo, you're forced to go meet people, and it's funny how you always end up running into like-minded people. Mm -hmm. If you go out and you're looking for the mentor, somebody wants to go, you're gonna eventually find somebody who's gonna be like, I would love to help you. Why, because somebody did that for me. I would mm -hmm. love to do that. Because mm -hmm. we love to contribute to other people. And when we allow other people to contribute to us, we give them that gift of that contribution. And then you just know that, yeah, someday you're going to have that opportunity to give it ahead. But it's not something to think that you can, yes, at some point you probably can't figure out yourself. You could read enough books, you could do enough shit, and 30 years down the line, you're going to get there. Or would you rather do it in a couple months with the right mentorship of somebody who can give you the blueprint and the exact pathway for how to do it? That's the option. So how did you reach this realization in your life? I mean, I think I everything that you're saying really is great. lucky people in my life that were those mentors and were able to do it. So you went to school for architectural. Why? Because you're not so an architect I was really good right at now. numbers. Okay. I mean, you can make the Jewish joke, but I was, <laughs> uh, was always good at numbers. I didn't like engineering. I never would have thought myself as like the artsy, the art person in the family or there. But, uh, and then as I was doing it, I just started loving it because we look at all of our civilization as far as it's gone back. There's everything's designed around our physical structures, our environments. Our environments are so ingrained into who we are. Look at how cities are built. Look at how cultures are built. It's always about the architecture, not just the buildings, but just so much about our the empires that we've built, the societies that we have, there's architecture to it. There's architecture to a business. There's architecture to a computer system. Honestly, even to a relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, you build a foundation. With, you know, we always have to begin with the end in mind. What do you want to do? Great. Well, then you have to build a foundation consistent with what you have. So there's just something about that that I always enjoyed. And as I got into it, not as many tests, not as many papers. It was always great. Well, you're in studio. You want, you want to design this building. Now, don't get me wrong. Know anybody that's been in an architecture program they're the crazy ones. You know, they're, yeah. it was about 60 to 100 hours a week outside of class time. 
in wow. studio, like building models, doing. But at least drawings. you're doing some fun practical blast. shit. Like, oh my god, we were yeah. there like two, three o'clock. I mean, it, it was Boulder at the time, so yeah, we would always go and smoke some weed uh, after you know in, in the in the spray booth because they had the ventilation. Oh man, we had a blast over here. That's where you got all your friends. But you're it, it forces to be creative to do all that, and then you have this thing called a jury. Where, okay, you finish your project and they'd bring people in and they would look at, okay, well, you had a program to design this music conservatory and why'd you pick this song and how'd you build a building and how'd you do the whole thing? And, you know, I kind of always said we had a degree in post-rationalization. <laughs> oh, of course I did it like this because of this. But what I got out of that is that I didn't really particularly care what the grade was. It was always, okay, I learned and I grew out of this. Then after school, I worked for an architect for about nine months working, I mean, it was million dollar homes. But what I found is that what architecture essentially became is you have to spend about six years sitting in front of a computer doing AutoCAD before you can take your architectural licensing exam. And I just like being around people. I like talking to people. Wouldn't get to like talk to the customers. Yeah. So I left that and started doing hand rendering. So 2D, 3D hand rendering, drawing with pe color pencil markers of future sites. So somebody, great, I, this is the building that's gonna be here, great. Here, I can draw that for you. So I started doing that. Worked for my father, who was a financial advisor for a bit as well. And then I worked for Landmark Education for about five years, and it's the international training and development gorilla in the industry. I mean, it's yeah. known as being one of the leaders for personal and professional training and development, and that's there I got the foundation and the tools for how to create my life distinct from what the past is as possible and be able to take those. It's just, I mean, it's actual, it's a licensed technology. It's a technology and the tools for having us to be able to distinguish Distinguish the limitations that we've put on ourselves, put it back in the past, which leaves us with this nice, big, clean slate, and then how to create something in that space that can stick. Mm -hmm. And then spent, you know, the last 12 years refining and getting better at it because it's like you're not going to walk into a martial arts class and walk out of black belt after a weekend. It right. Took, it's like a continuous it evolution, years right? years of just practicing and more fuck-ups than, than you can imagine. But that's... I always say whenever I have um, salespeople or whenever I'm coaching anybody, I always say I have two rules. Number one, make a lot of mistakes. Mm. And be cool you with that. To. And be well, okay you have with to that. Make mistakes. If you're not willing to make a mistake, then you're going to play safe. It's just not going to work. So number one, make a lot of mistakes. Rule number two, make every mistake only once. You're going to make mistakes. And you have the freedom. If you're going to make a mistake, make a big one. But there's no reason to, the only reason why you would make the same mistake twice is because you didn't care enough to learn about it. Mm. Yeah, and that comes back to you. Well, and that goes back to that awareness that you said. If you're right. up to something, if, it, if you care about it, you're going to be so attentive and aware of like, not from being safe or there, but like, no, I learned from that. It matters so much to you. It's going to stick with you. Yeah, you'll carry that on. We, we don't ever remember the good times. Let's be honest. Nobody ever remembers the good that we do, but nobody ever forgets the bad. Nobody ever, ever forgets the fuck-ups. That sticks with you, and you can actually leverage that as a power. But it I think... Be, context, remember? That goes back to the context. Are you like, oh my God, I'm a fuck-up. I'm just going to keep screwing it up. Like, oh my God, I totally screwed up. Well, okay, what did I learn? How did that happen? Okay, well, I want to make sure that that's not going to happen. So the next time you're like, okay, let me make sure, is that mistake in place? Okay, is there another potential mistake that could happen? No, okay. And guess what? There's going to be another mess up. Mm -hmm. There's going to be another mistake, but then you can still only make mistake once. That's how you get the opportunity to actually move forward That's in a gross. positive direction. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah. If you're not afraid to make mistakes and you're playing small, you're being safe, and you're going to miss more opportunities than you saw possible. Right. But you also have to be looking when you're taking, when you're doing something, when you're saying something, when you're around people. What's the potential impact this could have? Could this hurt somebody that I care about? If I, I mean, and that's one of the biggest things with text message. It's such a great tool, but. It can also be misconstrued the wrong way. I always say, if you're going to text somebody, make sure it's not about anything important because, and always assume it's going to be taken in the worst possible way. Because there's really no context in terms of it's so what the hard words to create mean. context. It's just text. words, right? And, and we know words are a very, very small part of the way we actually communicate. Can be. Words are very powerful. Word choice can be very powerful. Word choice can be very powerful. So it's... Then it comes back to that awareness. Now, if you're somebody who actually cares about people and you're looking at it, you're going to be looking from and thinking from a different place than somebody that's just out to make money. They're not going to care about the impact necessarily. But the only thing is they're just disconnected from what they really want. I have never met anybody that wants that only cares about making money. In the 20,000 some odd people I've coached in my life in some form or fashion, I have never once met anybody that was about money. What do you find that people really want? Because I think a lot of people are out there well, thinking again, that most, they want they're money. Numb to, but when you really get down to it, it's like, all right, I want to make money. Okay, why do you want to make money? Well, you know, because I want to be able to go and travel. Why do you want to travel? Well, you know, I didn't get to do a whole lot, and I want to be able to expand myself so I can go make some difference. So it really comes down to what I found is it's usually they want to make a difference in some way. They want to be happy. They want to be fulfilled. It's usually one of those three. But it takes work to be willing to get to that place and to set aside, well, I want money. No, you don't. No, you don't. But they care about what that money makes possible. Right. But if they're not looking from there, they're looking right at the money, you're going to take actions from somebody who's only wanting to make money. But if you get clear about, well, no, I'm, it's what that money makes possible is X, Y, or Z. I can provide for my family. I can provide for my mom or whatever it happens to be. You're going to be looking, you're going to be more motivated to deal with the hard times, to take that extra step, to yeah. stay up that 10 minutes when it's, no, here's what it's really about. If it's just about making money. Yeah. Again, the power of context. Where am I really operating from? Yeah. So what are you up to? What's your life for? Why are do you, you want to do it? Damn, I love that, man. I love that because I've, I've been that guy that thought I was one of money. You know, I came from immigrant parents that didn't have a lot of it mm-hmm. and- found a way to set me up to actually go make it. And it was my goal, it was my responsibility to do right by my parents' hard work and find a way to make it. And then all of a sudden I started making it and I'll never forget being on my couch, being like, well, I have it now, so what next? And, and that's when, that's really where my journey behind all of the personal development, fulfillment stuff really started coming from. And it's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about sharing the message so that people can hopefully sidestep that trap because it's a fucking huge trap. Well, here's the thing, they have to go through it. You can't, I mean, the only reason why you're able to do it is because you went through it. If you try to sidestep it, you're robbing people of the growth, which is whenever I coach people, you can't give them the answer. You, I can't, you cannot tell somebody, here's what difference you want to make, even if you're right. The problem is, is if people don't create it for themselves, they don't own it and it's not theirs. So does everybody need to essentially hit a rock bottom, so to no. speak, in order to learn? No. And that's what I meant by a sidestep. I think, and you hit the nail on the head maybe, earlier. Maybe they do. I I think, think, I'm not saying they do or don't. Every, I, every person's different. I think conversations like this and more people being aware of the possibility to have conversations like this help them cut back or shortcut the time to finding what makes them happy. Yeah, and now here's what I will say about rock bottom. It's not about hitting rock bottom, but you have to find bedrock. 
if you're going to build something big, mm-hmm. well, what, you know, like I'm just going to use the building analogy. If you want to build a huge building, well, what do you need? You need to know what's the size of the foundation that you're going to build to be able to support that, right? Well, what do you need when you're doing a site survey and you're building that foundation? You need to know where bedrock is. You either can do a foundation and you have to do these things called caissons, which sometimes are essentially like a concrete column that you have to go all the way down to bedrock. You may have to go 80 feet down to hit bedrock. Otherwise, everything you built won't be able to be sustained. So do you have to hit rock bottom? No, but you have to know what, that, what the bottom is so you can build off of that. And until you identify what that is for you, and each person needs to, and yes, it's, it's through conversation until you find out. I'm not saying you have to hit rock bottom, but you have to know where that is because that's going to be where you're going to build up from. That's your why. That's what you're calling. Everything comes from there. It's all supported by that. Mm-hmm. And if you're not connected to that, then you have, how do you know? Everything could just slip. Yeah, no, I agree that there needs to be a solid foundation through which we can actually see the upward growth and momentum that we hope to see, right? But I, I think that the issue that a lot of people have is it's not sexy Hell no. to look below ground. Nobody wants to do that. It's that not is, sexy to be a farmer that 100%. sows the seed and you can't really see That's how the, the seeds are, are, are growing underground until they ultimately sprout. 100%. So how do we keep people, and you hit, you you hit it earlier, but how do, we, how do we help them through the time where they can't you see? You can't. It's a decision that somebody has to it's make for themselves. It's, like you said, it's not sexy. It's the difference between people that are successful or not. It's people that are willing to do that work. You're not going to see that work. You're n- I mean, that's the shit you never see. That's the rooting. You know, they always say, like, the roots of a tree are as big as the tree grows tall. But you don't see the roots. You don't see the iceberg. But it's there. If you're not willing to do that work, then you're, not, you're limiting the potential for your success. There's not integrity with what you're building. You're not building a foundation for what you're willing to do. And if you're not willing to do that work, I mean, I guess that was, I guess maybe one of the weird things that I always had is I was always looking forward, like, okay, I know I'm going to be 16, I can do this. I was always looking at and able to keep in perspective that what I was doing as I was younger was going to pay off down the line. I spent my 20s doing that, doing personal training development. That was my 20s. You know, I had my fun here and there. But I knew, okay, I'm doing this to set the foundation for the rest of my life. And to be able to keep that perspective is what distinguishes a, you know, a lot of people. If you're not willing to deal with that, if you're not willing to own that and do that work, then your opportunity performance, your opportunity to set the potential for your performance is going to be vastly diminished. But no, you can't do it for anybody. You can talk about it, but that's a choice every person needs to make and not just once. Over and over, over and over and again. Over it's a daily over. choice. It has to be. But if, you, but if you don't have something that you're up to, something that drives you, something that matters to you so much, that's why you give up. Mm. That's where it's just so easy to just numb yourself and go do other shit. Because yeah. nobody wants to do the work to build the type of foundation that's needed to do that because it takes years. But when you do it, if you talk about you know, the, the, the span of our lives, it's not a whole lot. But if you're not able to keep that perspective, yeah, you're not going, like you said, the farmer, you're sowing the seeds. If, you're, if you want to open a winery, it's going to take decades for you to get the type of wine that's going to make that difference. But if you're not, we live in such a culture where it's, I want it now, I want it now, I want it now. Yeah, you can get short-term results, but it's not consistent, sustainable performance and growth. 
it comes back to workability. It comes back to workability. If you want that workability, then you got to really build that foundation. You're not going to see that foundation for years. You know, like you're not going to see the building for years. But if you take more time, again, whatever you build is going to be directly proportionate and completely limited by the foundation that you design and put in place for it. You could build this massive foundation and then just start really small but then you can grow. If you just build a small foundation and then grow, well, if you want to grow beyond it, you have to go back and then you have to rebuild the foundation. So lay a big foundation. It's an option. I'm not saying it's the only way, but it's if you're willing to do, it, the willingness to see the forest from the trees. It's called uh, the infantile will to power is what you're talking about. Hmm. I'll say that again. It's called the infantile will to power. Explain what that is. If you were to say to a child... I will give you $1 now, or I'll give you $5 in an hour. What are most of them going to choose? The $1 now. $1 now. Because it's now, now, now. It's the instant reward. The infantile will to power. I want it now because they can see it and feel it. Mm. You know, it's the, with all the coronavirus, you know, the, all this, of been a lot of things of, well, why are we not treating climate change in this? Uh, actually, I don't know if you saw, but at a great meme, it's, you know what? Climate change needs a coronavirus's press agent. <laughs> well, what's the reason why? It's because it's so immediate. People are only able to see what's right in front it of them. It came out of nowhere. Versus, well, I mean, climate change and what's happening with that, with our emissions, with everything else, you don't see it. It's happening so gradually, which also is the same thing with growth. Right. If you want to go to the gym, you want to build muscle, you're not going to see it over three weeks, over a month, but you keep doing it every day for six months. You're going to be over, it's a, an overnight success that was years in the making. Mm-hmm. But it takes the perspective. It comes to, you said, the self-awareness and the context and be able to keep things in perspective. And when you're able to do that, you can deal with anything in the moment. You can deal with anything in the moment if you're able to keep a powerful perspective, which goes back to integrity as operating from an empowering context. And it ain't easy. It's not fun. You know, when somebody screws you over, you want to be like, well, fuck them and all this. But, you know, I'm never going to trust anybody again. I'm never going to love again. I'm never going to let my heart get broken again. It's well, very you, easy to say that. Yeah, you take yourself out of the game if you do that. And, you know, the willingness to, to, to fight, to operate from an empowering context, to be able to see the, the, the good within the bad, to see the opportunity to grow, the, what we can do out of that, that's the unique mindset that can speed up that growth you're talking about. So and it can be trained, but it yeah. requires, like you said, constant work. And it's not something we see ourselves because you just don't see, you don't see growth in yourself. But, you, don't, you know, you look at somebody, you don't see him for two months, and then you see him like, holy crap, you look great. Yeah. Oh my God, your puppy grew so much. Oh man, I didn't even notice. It looks overnight, but you know, there's- But when you, yeah, when you're looking right there, you don't see the growth that's happening. That's why it's so crucial and so powerful for us to surround ourselves with people that are able to keep that perspective. They're able to be that. They're able to see those things in ourselves that we can't see because we're so close. That's the being able to see the forest from the trees. You have to take that step back and look where eventually you do it enough, you can start doing that for yourself. But until then, you got to have people that are there for you and can do it from a place of compassion and, and contribution that you trust. And then that's how you can speed up that growth. Yeah. Like you said, is with other people, but it can't be about trying to find a shortcut. You got to do the work. Yeah. I mean, at the, end of the day, sexy. at the end of the day, they call it work because that shit works. <laughs> you just got to just gotta do it and just have some faith. I think the hardest thing for people is knowing that the path that they choose, the trajectory that they ultimately decide to go down 
is the one that's actually right for them. There is no such thing. People want to have a certainty. And of course, I, I, but that doesn't, I, I, but, and that's, that's the fallacy of it all. There's no certainty in any of it. Do you know, so it's funny, and I'll give you a, a weird, I could probably have this. So do you know what the root of the word decide is? The uh, Latin word. Decidite. No, okay. To cut off all other options. Same root as suicide, pesticide, homicide, genocide. Mm. When you decide something, you cut off all other options, and you're like, great, well, that's how it's going to be. But when you choose a future, like you said, you choose it all the time. You have no evidence that you can accomplish that. Yeah. You create something big. There's no, there is no blueprint. There's no evidence that you can do it. So what makes you think that that's the right choice? No, you just chose it. And then you just choose to, again, integrity, you choose to honor it because it's consistent with who you want to be. And you choose to honor it and you deal with whatever breakdowns it is. It's not right or wrong. It's just choosing to honor the thing that you said mattered to you. And I guess just making that decision or that choice over and over again. Every fucking day. Wow. That's real. I mean, think about somebody who has a celiac allergy. Can they eat wheat? Sure, it's going to have a massive impact. So once they learn, okay, well, I'm not going to do it. And it just slowly becomes. But then two, three years later, is it a big deal for them? No, because at that point, they're just used to it. But when they just find out about it, I mean, you find people who have a heart disease, like you can never eat red meat again. You can never have right. a coffee again. Right. You can never smoke another cigarette again or you will die. Well, now they actually have a reason to do it. And for a while, they have to, they have to literally train their mind and everything else to train a new muscle, a new brain path, a new, uh, a new synapse to rewire their brain. But eventually, it becomes just the way that it is and it becomes easy. Yeah. But it has to do that work. Like you said, you have to choose it every day. But yeah. if, if you can't keep that context then it's like you have to choose it versus you get to. You get to choose this because it's going to be the thing that fulfills your purpose of what you're up to or what matters to you. Mm -hmm. Which one's more easy to get up in the morning and take that action? Yeah, the ownership of it. When it's yours, hence why you cannot do it for somebody else. And that's where a lot of coaches, a lot of therapists, that's why I just don't like a lot of them because they try to give people too much of the answer versus letting people, the, the power is in doing the work to discover and create it for yourself. That's where that ownership comes from. Mm -hmm. What I say, mostly what I do is I just create space. I'll ask questions, I will make observations, but it's all inside of just creating space so somebody can put something in that space that matters to them enough and then work with them on keeping them present. So when somebody tells me, this is who I am, or this is what I'm committed to, or this is what I'm up to in life, I'm gonna hold them to it, even if it's just friends. I'm gonna hold them and I'm gonna relate to them as that. And if they do something inconsistent with that, I'm gonna call them out. And they either choose to do it, but if they keep just choosing to dishonor who they are or what they say they're committed to and not own it, then that's, honestly, I just stop associating with them. I'm not saying I hate them. I'm not saying I don't wanna be around them, but I'm not, that's not the type of person that's going to be able to survive around me if that's the life that you want to choose to live. Mm -hmm. What matters to you? You said you wanted this. I'm going to relate to you only as that. If you're not going to be that, then what type of friendship can we have? Who the hell are you? I don't know who you are. You're going to change it. You're going to do whatever the hell you want instead of what you said you're going to do or what you said you there. I just don't, I just don't allow that into my life. And that's fair. And you're either going to like level up or you're going to level out. Yeah, yeah. Which is why I love the people in my life and they challenge me and, and they do the same to me. If I'm acting inconsistent, they're gonna tell me. 
But then imagine if that's the conversation you're always having with yourself and other people. Never from they're not enough or not good enough, but it's always, okay, what's that next barrier? Man, what's that blind spot I'm not seeing? The more you talk about it, the more you see it, the more active you're looking at it, the more inspired you become. So we're coming up on time, but I do want to get this out of you. What are a couple of empowering questions that people can keep top of mind when it comes to exactly what you were just talking about? Who are the people around me? That, that's been kind of like a reoccurring theme during our conversation here that you brought the, up. I would say what are the, uh, right there, just because it's right there, is what are the qualities, attributes, and mindset of the people I want around me? Yeah. If you're looking at the inner circle you want to build, what are those qualities that you want to be surrounded by. Just keeping those present and then look for those in people. Now, most people have them, but then sometimes you have to pull it out in people. Sometimes it just takes acknowledging and reminding people that they are that. And Man, it- I really appreciate it. I love Carl. I just love your passion. I love your drive and I love how much you love being there and contributing to people. Sometimes just acknowledging, reminding people of that helps invigorate them so that they can be the biggest part of that for themselves too. Right. So that would be the first one. The other question is, you know, I'll start with the Simon Sinek, what's your why, but what are you up to? What do you want your contribution to be? And you can decide that. You can decide that. You gotta create it. No, you can't decide it. Where are you gonna decide from? Where are you gonna pick it from? No, you have to create what Mm. you want it to be. It doesn't exist. It literally does not exist in anywhere in the world until you create it. And once you've created, it's yours. So create your purpose. Well, creating what, why? Create your why. Could be your purpose, could be your calling, could be your contribution. That's why I say, like, what do you want your contribution to be? You know, I created uh, years ago and took a lot of practice of it, but my contribution is contributing love, wisdom, and passion for the world. And I've shared it and I've delved in it so much where I'm now given by that. So every conversation I'm having, every interaction I have, whether it be business, friendship, shooting the shit, whatever it is, I'm given by, okay, I want in this interaction, I want to find a way of contributing love, wisdom, and passion to the person I'm, I'm around. And then slowly it just becomes who you are. And then mm-hmm. it becomes how people relate to you. And then I created my calling. My calling is people see something possible they never saw possible before. It doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter what business I have. It doesn't matter there. That's something I can do all the time because that's what I'm, that's my calling. That's what calls me forth. I love that. And I have to be responsible for that for myself. I have to keep looking at for myself if I'm going to be that. You can't close off yourself. Right. If you're not, you got to walk the walk. If you're going to, you know, you got to walk your talk in a lot of ways too. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot different from an occupation. It's a lot different from this is the business model that I operate in and, 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 Mm. and, this is my reason for being. Yeah. This is this Almost is never this, it is. This is you picking up some soil that is nothing or some clay that is nothing and literally molding it to what you choose it to look like. I mean, with that being my and calling, then, I could do a lot of things. I could do a lot of things with that. Currently, I have a solar company and we're leading a conscious energy revolution. But I could do a million other things that fulfills that calling. Yeah. That calling has nothing to do with what I do for work. It has nothing to do with my occupation. And that keeps you fulfilled, would you say? Yeah. Then it doesn't matter how much money I make or not. If I mean, like, that's part of it. Now, yes, I want to be able to make money because it's what can I then do with that? But it's not dictated by how much money I do or don't have. I've lived paycheck to paycheck. I've had money in the bank. I've had all of it. But it's, if I'm dictated by that, then, I'm, then there's these other circumstances that dictate my experience of myself yeah. for life versus 
I get to create my experience of life by who I get to be. Because I, I say we only have control over a handful of things. We have no control over our circumstances. But we always have control over how we view our circumstances. We always have control over our word. And we always have control over our actions. Right. Those are three things that maybe others, those are the only three I've ever come across that we have, those are the only things in this world we have true autonomous control over. How we relate to our circumstances, mm-hmm. our word, and our actions. Yeah. I've yet to find anything else that we truly have control over. Yeah. Well, dude, thank you so much for coming on and you know living in integrity and just giving a lot of love and wisdom. I think that everything that you embody and everything that you set out to give to the world, you've given us given to us today. So I appreciate that, brother. Welcome, thanks for having me, man. Before I let you go, I want you to quickly um, share a little bit about where people can follow your journey moving forward. Uh, you can always find me on Facebook, Facebook.com/slash/w-o-n-v-a-k-y-n, one of a kind. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Suited Solar Salesman. So those are probably the best ones in my uh, company's website, consciousec.com. Uh, it's, if you look that up, it's a good way to follow me in a lot of places as well. Awesome, man. And then we're just going to finish up on our random round. It's kind of a quick way for us to have some fun with you and get to know you a little bit better. All right. It's the free time podcast. What do you enjoy doing in your free time? What's your favorite activity? Uh, golf, pool, concerts, any live music, any live event of any sort, theater, yeah. love movies. It sounds like we'll all be watching live, you know, concerts from our living rooms, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> streaming yep. in or whatever. Yep, Netflix going to go way up, but luckily, I, I'm like, man, I was, I've seen a lot of movies, i got to find a whole bunch of other ones. <laughs> if potential were a destination on a map, like a physical place you could go to, what would be more fun to you, the drive or the journey there or just arriving? It's always the journey. I love it, love it, man. What's one choice you made today, big or small, that consciously puts you a little bit closer towards your full potential. I'm making sure to go to the gym after this. I love it, man. Good stuff. And what's your favorite empowering quote you'd like to leave the audience this afternoon? Something you say or something that you've heard from somebody else that just personally resonates with you? Ooh, there's a a couple good ones. Let me say is, um, honestly, okay, I'll, I'll just say this. Without integrity, nothing works. And I think you've proven that today in your dissertation. <laughs> and then, hey, man, what are we going to see in six to nine months? I'm really big on the power of visualization and, and you know, how some of those visuals can become uh, something in, in What do you mean by where life. are you going to see me? Where are you going to be in, in six to nine months? It could be, be something Colorado and personal, professional. It could uh, be- mostly just growing the, growing the company. We have a goal of putting solar on 700 homes this year in, in, uh, in Colorado. Okay. So the goal is that 700 homes have freed themselves from paying utility for bill and they're owning that for themselves and you're sticking it to the man huh at excel <laughs> I, I mean it, it, it in a lot of way but it's the same reason why why would people pay somebody else for their mortgage own your damn own electric it's yeah. just giving people access to something that they would not have before yeah so, and that they, they get paid for doing it i mean so it's just a lot of education for it uh and then Hmm, what, what, what's nine months from now? Oh, wow. Okay. Honestly, there's going to be a lot of babies nine months from now, it seems like. Yeah, man. <laughs> it's going to be all getting, those December babies. probably getting busy. <laughs> so we're talking end of the year. Uh, I mean, hopefully just have a, a thriving business with a team of people that have been able to make the money so that they can have the life that they want and they can go out and keep making a difference for other people. Probably at least done one or, one or two international trips, but <laughs> we'll see if that we'll ever see. opens up uh, about that. And... Well, I mean, the, one of the goals is I want to be able to get to a single-digit handicap this year, but we'll see, we'll see if business allows me enough time to get enough practice to get down to that. Awesome. Thank you, Jake. Thank Appreciate you. it, brother. 
Thanks so much for tuning in. Remember, yesterday is gone and tomorrow is not promised. So there's no better time than the present to get into the arena of your life and to start moving towards your purpose and potential. Peace. Hey, I want to personally thank you again for tuning in. At the end of the day, I really do believe that we're all in this game of life to help one another out. And that the best way we can do this is through sharing our stories more openly and honestly. And so, if you like the show, please take a quick minute to leave us a rating, drop us a review, and subscribe for more. Also, I'd love to get to know you a little bit better and hear your story. Please head over to carlsona.com slash chat. That's Carl with a K, S-O-N-A dot com slash chat to book a 15-minute free Zoom call with me, and I can't wait to see you there.